Hello, welcome back to Love Clues. Before we kick off this episode, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal land upon which we live and work and record and pay our respects to First Nations people and listeners. Now here's the show. love clues. My name is Grace. And my name is Lily. And together we make up the band called Clues. In this podcast, we are talking to some of the amazing, inspiring people in our orbit about love, sex, dating, relationships, whatever that means to them. And we always find that these conversations expand our hearts and our minds every single time without fail. And we really hope that, and we're sure that it will do the same for you. Um, who is our guest today, Lily? God, you're good, Grace. That was just off the that cuff, really can I just good. say. She's in really her flow good. state. I'm I in my flow that. state. Oh, thank I you so it. much. Yeah, that was really good. Okay, well, I am a genuine fangirl of you, Hannah. Hannah Ferguson is our guest. She is one of the founders and now basically head honcho of Cheek Media Company. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, Cheek is basically, these are my words, so I don't know if this is accurate, Hannah. I like that freestyle. But I would say that Cheek is basically like a source of news, a source of truth with a beautiful kind of feminist lens. It's very inclusive. It covers stories that are very, I don't know, relevant to like young people and relevant to the contemporary news cycle in a way where you really have your finger on the pulse. And I think that you just have a really amazing, deep take on a lot of issues that we all live through at the moment. And I followed you because actually our bass player, Josh, who just got married. Anyway, he was like, oh my God, Lily, you should follow this thing called Cheek. It's amazing. You would really love it. And I was like, so touched that one of the beautiful men in my life directed me to it. And I think that is like a really good example of the type of people that you reach because sometimes it's hard to get, especially maybe like young men to connect with news in that way that does kind of take on issues about gender and issues about sex and masculinity that you guys cover. And I was just like so happy that he put me on the path to Cheek. So thanks for coming on Love Clues. Hannah, Ferguson, everybody. Cheek, let's go. Yeah, clap her in. The heroes, welcome. I will just add, I hope you're okay for me to say your age, but Hannah is a 24-year-old CEO and founder of like a huge news commentary platform. Like it's so, it's so impressive. You are like totally a girl boss in every sense of the word. Thank you. And you Not the painful sense, but every other sense. Not like like gatekeeping. Girl in the boss. funny way. No, I <laughs> love the word girl boss in, the in positive an ironic way. way. I, no, I way. think yes. it's in more of like... I don't um, think it's ironic. I think, I think it's, it's in more of like a literal way. Like yeah. what do those words actually... In, by definition, yeah. that's just what yeah. you are. Thank um, you. But yeah, I will just add for anyone who's not following Cheek already, you have like a 66K strong following on Instagram and anyone who's not following you already should definitely go and... At Cheek Media Co. Plug, plug, plug. plug subscribe, plug, plug. subscribe. Like and subscribe. Look at that. I love not having to do that myself. 
it makes me cringe so hard. So when other people do it, I'm like, thank <laughs> We're you. We're here to do it for We're alleviating that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so thank you for coming on Love Clues. Thank you for having me. It's so Have exciting. Pleasure. This is such a nice studio. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. I know. I'm so glad I asked you if we were videoing because I would have turned up in a whole different state. So you look this divine. is wonderful. Thank we're, you. We're going well. Um, so I would love to kick off. It's actually something that I was thinking about today. Cheek media is such a good, I think, like social barometer for like what is going on in our culture and like especially when it comes to love relationships and dating. So I was wondering as the CEO and founder (laughs) of such a resource, I feel like you are someone who can give us a lot of context and information about like where the dating culture is at right now. Do you think there are any kind of common threads that are coming through in our collective consciousness and like what people send in, what people are saying around like dating and relationships? What do you think modern dating looks oh, like now? Because you're like a vessel for the zeitgeist. Exactly. You are the vessel. Yeah. Yeah. Such an in- like that is such a specific and lovely compliment, True. but it also comes with a lot of pressure because I think the other part of this is, you know, I do have a very specific view of the dating landscape. I am someone who's dating at the moment. I'm not mm. in a relationship. The dating apps especially are, I think, a really central part of that commentary yes. because I think we're now, and again, just my feeling, if I'm a representative for the zeitgeist, like I don't know. <laughs> you but, are the zeitgeist. I think Let's that go. they're dying I think that it'll take years for them to die, but I think they're dying. And I think that maybe either, I think that either they'll die or they need to be revamped and a couple of new ones need to take the scene and and compete really Mm. significantly because my feeling is that it comes back to even at like a broader scale, the expectations, this is very heteronormative as well, between men and women in dating. I think that the LGBTQIA plus community has brought in a new idea of what dating can look like and it's really challenged yeah. heterosexual couples because I think that what we're what we're seeing is women do not need men in heterosexual relationships to provide for them. And so what we need is emotional intimacy, vulnerability, support, see a psychologist. And so I think there's this whole thing where women are on the apps and men are like, I'm looking for like-minded spirits and I hate feminists. And women are like, that's disgusting. And then these guys are like becoming incels because they aren't getting what they need, which is what they feel is entitled to sex. And I'm not saying that this is huge portions of the the apps, but I think that any woman seeking out men on the apps has had this experience over and over again of men who don't know what they want or who want a traditional looking relationship and do not know how to provide emotional support. And the birth of situationships, I think, is like a real testament to this. Mm. And I think that society shames and demonizes women for wanting emotional connections or wanting more and asking questions and having their needs met mm. and not just being able to do friends with benefits. And I think that the girl boss era, like the, the the bad girl boss era brought us this idea that we, in order for our sexual liberation to occur, that we need to have sex and experience dating in a way that men do. And that's not it because that's just not feminism. I think that f- true empowerment and sexual liberation looks like knowing and recognising what you want. What's your libido like? What Mm. do you want from dating? What are the outcomes that you want? And not just forcing yourself to have sex with people because that's like what's in. Mm. And so I think that now this situationship ideal is like pretty fraught space for women who are dating men because often they're like, you just can't do friends with benefits. It's like, no, because often men are getting all of the benefits of those situations. It's not just sex. They will get emotional intimacy. They will get all of the fun parts of relationships without the commitment and the work themselves. And women are saying, that's not on. And do you think that like dating apps are kind of cultivating a culture where that's acceptable? Like that's where situationships have come from, right? Like before that, yeah, you could have casual 
casual sex, but casual relationships. It's kind of like a new thing yes. that dating apps have created. Totally. And I think that um, one of the really interesting things I read recently, which was actually in a cartoon strip by a really good account called Vulgar Drawings. Mm. And one of the aspects that she talked about, which was a criticism of dating apps, is this lack of community accountability. And so it's this idea that say if you ha- have a guy friend and mm. you were like, you know, John, meet Hannah, right? Mm. And then I went on a few dates with John and he sent me an unsolicited dick pic or he, you know, said something foul to me, blah, blah, blah. There would be accountability through you. If you mm. asked what was happening there, I would be like, this is what happened. And then you'd probably go back to John and be like, what the fuck, right? Am I allowed to swear? Is that fine? Oh, you yes. are allowed to swear. Great. And that is a direct quote of what I would say in that hypothetical situation. Yes, right? Yeah. You say, John. what the fuck, John? What the fuck, Right. Yeah. That doesn't happen on the apps. So people's behaviour and the standards that we accept, mm. like we engage in, we engage with people that are strangers and there's no social accountability, community mm. accountability in those situations, which means that over time the treatment gets worse. And it can happen both ways. But isn't that such an interesting anonymity to the apps? You can just unmatch someone. You can do something horrific and say something horrific and if you don't have mutuals, if you've only been on one date, if you haven't even met at all, there's really very little in terms of frameworks of accountability that can change what happened there. And that's how ghosting happens. Yeah. Ghosting now we have happens. all these that's, kind of and new that's phenomenons. It's not just unsolicited dick pics. It's things like ghosting. Yeah. And I, I think there's so much conversation and debate about like when can you ghost is it ever acceptable to ghost it's like it's just not that hard to send a message Mm, it's it's just not not that hard to communicate you know what this makes me think of is that so lily i'm sure we'll get into this but lily's been aggressively dating for the past year or so using dating absolute rampage horrible isn't it it's so bad it's so bad (laughs) and this is (laughs) what i mean i actually got little goosebumps when you were talking before about yeah, as women, as contemporary women, modern girls in the modern world, we feel like we should be able to, especially if we're single and grown and older, be able to go out and sleep with whoever we want and go on a million dates and have all these flings. And yeah, I've I've really been doing that over the past year. And without fail, every time I'm like, I feel so bad. Like yeah. this mm. is not, like it's fun in the moment, of course, but then. It's serious. Yeah, it's not funny though, is it? It's serious. <laughs> but but, and it. that's why. Yeah. It's because you feel like to be a cool modern feminist, it's like you should just be able to have like so much juicy sex with no strings attached And then, yeah, it's exactly what you were saying. I resonate with that so much. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my friends resonate with that in terms of dating and... Just feeling like... It's not anti-feminist to have emotions. Like, that's that's such a... I think that's really what it comes back to. I think that, you know, I've been single for um, just over a year now and I can't do it. I genuinely cannot go out and have sex with people. I am not yeah, interested weird, in going on it? dates. I am like I really have struggled and it's it's because one the apps are horrifying. Like the standards and the the profiles are boring. Like these people are not interesting. I cannot express that enough. Not to generalize, but like or at least they don't come do across that. as interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes it's I'm hard like, for someone to come. I'm across sure you're a nice person, but how am I supposed to know? But, you're but it, me even nothing. like I just it, and it, yeah, sorry, that is a big generalization. But no, no, I know. You I have swiped. Oh, to my own death thousands. and I just would rather the company of my own vibrator, like yeah. frankly. Mm. And I think the hard part is is that I am busy and that's not to say that I wouldn't make time for someone but I don't want to be going on a couple of dates a week. I have no interest in trying to meet new people at the moment. Like it's just, yeah. uh, this is, okay, this is a bit of a weird segue but I was thinking about yeah. this on my way here. I was thinking I am seeing someone at the moment and when I was talking to him the other day, one of the things he said was like, 
but do you enjoy dating and going on dates generally? And I had this, no, I don't. Mm. Um, and he was like, well, I do because I meet people that are outside my sphere, like that I wouldn't mm. normally come into contact with. And I was like, well, it's not the same for me. And he was like, but surely the dates you go on are fun because like you're fun. And I was, I said, I was like, sounds really e egotistical, but I was like, yeah, but sometimes I walk away from a date with a man and I think, was that just fun because I was there? And that sounds so horrifying. No, I've seen that pop up a lot on social media, people saying the same thing. But I, you know what I think it's more about? I really love my own company and you have to be better than that. Mm. You have to offer something that is better than me hanging out with myself. Yeah. And yeah. so you have to be able to beat that and that's quite a high bar. And so I'm not really interested in going on random dates with people that I'm not that interested in. In the first place, just for the sake of it. Yeah. I think that's like a place that everyone would love to get to, like enjoying their own company that much. And I think that I feel like I am. I feel like you probably are as well, but I think it makes it really clear where it's like, if you love yourself already and you enjoy your own company, then it's like, okay, the only thing you need is someone who's going to be building and be an addition on top of that base level of yes. like happiness and peace. Yeah. That's what we're all looking for. It is. Yeah. Before we go into your personal dating story, I wanted to quickly ask, Lily's been doing a lot of online dating and it's just like all these standards that have lowered that probably have been made acceptable by the presence of online dating all those low standards that people like Lily and everyone who's actively dating using dating apps has to battle through we figured out recently that we're probably in an echo chamber of all our single women friends who we we think there are so many amazing women in our lives who are just being let down by guys who like can't commit and string them along and tell them what they want to hear and all the rest of it but then we recently had a conversation with one of our guy friends who was said the same thing and was like, oh, I keep seeing all these girls who are like not committing and leading me on. In terms of what you're hearing on the ground at Cheek Media. <laughs> what I'm hearing on the ground. As the, as the director <laughs> of our entire social zeitgeist, do you think it leans one way or the other in terms of which gender is to blame or is it just everyone is in a melting pot of madness altogether? I think that we are all so unwilling to find our own role in it as well, like to find our own responsibility. And that's harsh. That's really confronting, I think. But the rhetoric that I hear from both sides, because also a very specific type of man follows Cheek usually. So mm. I know that a lot of them are just partnered of the women who already follow Cheek. There are a lot of single men. And I opened up like a question box to men recently about questions you'd ask women if you could. Yeah, and it was I probably like that. one of the most popular question boxes I've ever done. Really? Because they were really beautiful, thoughtful, considered questions. Like what? And they were asking like they were asking really specific questions about what it's like to experience a period. And, and that doesn't sound like that thoughtful or beautiful, but it actually is because they were too afraid to ask anyone else. Yeah. And so much of it was about do you think women would consider it a red flag if I do have deep insecurities or I'm not sexually experienced? And like really vulnerable things that they were willing to share with me, which was like so powerful and really specific things about, you know, how they empower their partners and what they could do. They don't want to ask their partners for help, but like what do you, what could I advise them of and stuff, which is, again, it's not my job to educate, but I opened that space mm. for that reason and I want to. And one of the things that kept coming up were these questions about insecurities around dating. And I think it's funny because I also wonder about how the dating algorithms play into who's presented to us because I think that often we're attracted to people and this is just like my personal comment on how I think desire works a lot of the time is that we're really attracted to people that we feel represent something we see is missing in us. 
And so I think that often if you're talking to the men who are having the same experience, it's probably because we're going for the same kinds of people in the opposite. And it also is this idea of like, well, if I'm emotionally unavailable, I might attract someone who's emotionally unavailable and then blame them. And that's not to say, like, I know that I'm ready to date and be in a relationship um, and I know what I'm looking for, but I also know that I was probably willing to do a bit too much and accept a bit too much from people who weren't on the same page as me and I knew that. And it's like, well, I didn't walk away either. So how do you sort of navigate when people do communicate and when people do tell you what you do next and what you accept. And I also wonder in the in the app space as well, if we're all going for a certain percentage and type of person, when actually a lot of the men that I would date that weren't on the apps, I would never swipe on on the apps. I find that I look at profiles through a whole different lens because it's almost like that sort of chemical rush of a match and and who you think you're supposed to be attracted to. And I just wonder how the apps actually reposition our attraction and our conversation all together. And I think that often it's this like we we aren't clear with ourselves and we are holding people to different expectations and it's all messy and we're all vulnerable and it's all just this pile of insecurity. So I don't think there is a perfect answer because it's so circumstantially based. But I think there's a lot of people that don't really know what they want, don't know how to communicate it and apps are a really bad way to learn about yourself, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think they teach really harsh lessons because even what you were, harsh, harsh lessons, because even what you were just saying about reflecting on what you're bringing to a situation, it's hard because I don't know, in my last year of dating and breaking up with people or getting ghosted or, you know, the wide spectrum of things that happen to you when you're dating, there are so many times when I could have looked at a situation and thought, oh, maybe I should call it first or, you know, I can clearly see this person isn't into it or whatever. And then, yeah, it's almost like you have to remember that you have the power to, I don't know, drive a situation in the direction that you want it to go in. You don't have to wait until somebody hurts you and then they become the villain. I don't know. It just gets very, like you said, it's very confusing and you learn a lot of harsh lessons in a very weird kind of way. Yeah, but I think it's, I mean, my experience has been that like, as much as I said it's a messy way to learn, I have learned a lot. Oh, yeah. Because I Big think time. that I was coming, you know, I met my la- my ex-partner who we were together for three years. Yeah. We met on Bumble when I was 20. And when I went back into dating, I was a terrible communicator. I was a terrible communicator because I expected the other person to know what I wanted. And this is a really harmful element that I don't think anyone's addressing is the really binary, like the singular views that are, perpetuated on the dating side of TikTok. Oh my TikTok gosh. Puts my TikTok algorithm knows me so yeah. well and I get so many really specific yes. dating videos. Really? That, it's so strange. I mean, obviously all our algorithms know me really well. There's a narrative that you will find and it's directed at that women. speaks to you. Uh, but uh, but I, I think that we probably have the same algorithm. I think that it oh, finds definitely. single women and men yeah. and it delivers them the same people. And one of the like really harmful narratives, like, I get what it's trying to do, but it, it offers such black and white thinking and so, it's so unhelpful for navigating people with different pasts and trauma and what people are going through. Like the idea of like the, if he wanted to, he would. Mm. And I'm like, mm. I get that that's not a bad way to approach dating, mm. but that's really not fair when we all lead busy lives and have, you know, other things doing, like it, it, other things to do. Like if I need to postpone a first date, like that doesn't mean I don't want to go. It means that I have a life and sometimes things come up. Yeah. And I just think it's these ideas of like, if this person doesn't fulfill every need, 
get rid of them. Mm. That's not how it should be. That's not how relationships are. That's not how difficulty works. And I think that it talks to young people and imposes these really heavy, false narratives of what relationships should look like and what the dating scene should look like. And I worry for this next generation of people who, and obviously marriage is in the drain, like 50% and in divorce, everyone's got, you know, a divorced parent or family member or friend. Mm. And I think that, you know, Anyone who is getting married, I'm like, that's pretty brave. That is brave act. Josh, you know. shout out to Josh who put me on to Cheek who just got married. <laughs> You're going to make Restoring it. our no. faith in a relationship. Yes. And it's funny because yeah, yeah. I'm always like, you know, why are we getting married in this day and age and blah, 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 what's the benefit to de facto and should we be looking at monogamy? And there's, there's so many questions out there and so many people are doing so many different things and it's really hard to know what you want and blah, blah, blah. Like it's just complicated. But it's interesting because when people are pursuing these a singular life partner forever, and also pairing that with these ideas of, like, if they aren't doing everything you need, leave them. Mm. It's like people are complicated and you, we can't live like that. And it's like people are kind of starved right now for a binary right and wrong system of how to be in a relationship, how to be a woman, how to be a man and all the rest of it, right? Like we're in a very big cultural shift. And if a platform like TikTok is giving them those answers – they're going to take that as gospel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true. Like, I think it has affected the kind of resilience that we have and the skills of communication that we have and, and how to be in a healthy relationship. Like, even something like icks and ticks, right? Like, that's a funny viral topic that's been going on. Oh, what are the quirky little things that are an instant no? But, like, that's actually a real phenomenon that's happening now. Like, girls are like oh, I didn't like the way he stood up from his chair. I can't see him again. Yes. There it goes. Yeah. And it's there are all these little, like, black and white things that have kind of made standards blow up incredibly high. And it's and I, I honestly think it all feeds into this concept of FOBO, fear of better options, which yes. is like... I've never heard that before, but I know... Yes. It, and I think a lot of people feel that. It's yeah. like, well, why would you settle for someone who stands up in a really weird way off their armchair when... You can just jump back on the apps and get try someone fresh because there's eight billion people on the planet. Absolutely, revolving door mentality, and that's mm. the that's part of the problem. Is exactly that when things get even slightly difficult, people just go too hard, and yeah. I can go and find that instant gratification. Not even meaningful connection, instant gratification again. Because how many of us have matched with twenty people to message one? You know, yeah. like it's just like. Even when you say yes to someone, you're not really offering anything. It's so conditional. Every aspect of dating is so conditional. And when we're taught these binaries, you're absolutely right, it does come back to that. When things are a little bit hard, when people don't agree with you 100%, and it also feeds into this idea that your romantic partner should offer everything. Mm. Yeah. And that is We've such shit. we about that so yeah. much. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and it's like, and that's part of the reason that I come back to this idea of like, well, my own company needs to be beaten by this person's presence because... I don't need them for everything in my life. I have great friends. I have a very fulfilling life. I would love to have a partner because the other part of the conversation that I find is like I think part of the maybe the generation that's older than us feminist narrative is very like you don't need a man. Not that I think anyone does, but I think it opposes relationships with men. It says like don't have them. I think there's a lot of, um, you know. But what if you want one? That's exactly what I mean. I think it says that to, I think sometimes there's this narrative that to be in a relationship is to be weak. I think it's this, like, two halves make a whole. Like, you need to be a whole person that offers something to another whole person. Um, and I really oppose that sort of you don't need a relationship. I'm not saying everyone does. I think if you want to be alone forever, that's wonderful, good for you. 
but do not look down on people that love companionship and are seeking an intimate partnership because I do think it's a really beautiful thing. And for me personally, I develop the most and I challenge myself the most with someone else because I think often like, you know, dating is hard and it's like the most insecure and vulnerable thing for me to do and that's why I find it so exhausting because I just think turnstile and it's just like it it makes me feel anxious and it, everything's heightened all the time and it feels like a lot of pressure. But I know that when I'm in a relationship, that's like when I'm at my best because yeah. I know that that person is pushing me, I'm pushing them and it really feels like such a good motivator. So I see the value in it in that sense for myself. And again, I think that coming back to this idea of like, the emotional versus unemotional and detached sex and dating. I am such an emotional dater because I don't want to have sex with someone ever that I don't take interest in because I'm attracted to their personality more than how they look. Yeah. And like, obviously from the outset, I match with people on how they look. I'm not saying, like, I'm not claiming to be this deep human that isn't shallow in many, many ways. But if I was to go on a date with someone and I didn't like really, if I wasn't drawn to them, and like their charisma, I would never take it further because I just, yeah, I right. don't have that sexual attraction unless I have that piece of you're a stimulating, interesting person. <gasps> oh my gosh. I wish I was like that because what I've been thinking about lately, I've been taking a break from dating and I think something that's really challenging for me is like, okay, but what if you are not dating, but you like sex? Like, then what do you do? It's like how in this, whatever soup we're in right now, it's like, how do you not date in the way that we all do on Hinge or on the apps or whatever, or in this kind of like mass production line kind of way? But what if you like sex or what if you want want to have sex, but then what if you want to find a partner, but you also want to be playing the field? We are in a time when hopefully more and more, especially women, don't feel any shame about sleeping with whoever they want. I think we're at a really strange time where it's really hard to have it all. Totally. It's really hard and it's really confusing. I completely agree. And that's the thing is, is that, and I've been through it all. Like I've had at times a really low sex drive, depending on contraceptive and things like that. Like it's really affected. And when I was in a relationship, sex drive very low. Unfortunately, I think that was the relationship. Now, as soon as I was within, I know within two weeks, I was like, "What is happening here?" Mm. Like it just completely changed. Yeah, Yeah. but because I'm not wanting to have sex with people unless I really enjoy them, and I'm developing not not necessarily a relationship, but a connection. Like unless I have that intimacy and like really like the chemistry, I don't want to have sex with someone. Mm. So that's where it comes into. Well, what are you exploring solo? Like I think that's really a big part of the cheat conversation for me. Is like. People feel and hold so much shame around their wants, desires and needs, but they rarely explore it alone. And I think that I'm not saying don't have sex, but I'm saying like I get what you're saying. If you want to have sex, go out and have sex. I think it's just about really sitting back and reflecting on what you want. Do you want to be going out on a night out and picking up? Do you want to be going on dates and then having sex? Do you want a relationship? I think that it's all about clear communication, clear boundaries, just and, and, and not once constantly yeah. because I think that is a hard part and I don't know what that feels like because I would say I have a high sex drive and I want to have sex but I don't want to have sex unless it's on the terms that I want yeah mm. and so that's that it is a hard balance to strike a lot of the time it's like you want to be a player but you don't want to sleep with someone unless mm. you like them. <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. What? Do you know do Georgia I do? Grace, who's yes, G-Spot? G-Spot? So she came on the podcast last season and I, I think it was her. She asked a really simple question that was like to the listeners, not to me personally, what does sex mean to you? Or like what, what role does sex actually have in your life? And it wasn't directed at me, but I really was like, stumped and I was like oh my god I don't know and like you just said that is the type of answer you can figure out by yourself yes you know if you get more in touch with your body and more in touch with your needs and desires and wants and pleasure and everything do you feel like you've answered that question now 
oh, no way. No. I don't think it's so. a complicated question, yeah. but it'll always change in your life yeah, as well. Yeah. Mm. Sex, the role that sex plays in your life will change at all different times. Yeah, I think it's like a check-in question. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, totally. And it'll play yeah. a different role in your relationship at different times. Yeah. Like it's never, it's never mm. going to consistently look like one thing. But I also think a really important part of this conversation is the way that we assume, and I'm terrible for this, the role I assume sex plays in the people I date's life, if that mm. makes sense. Like it's just going to be the same no. way that you perceive it? No, or I I always think because I am not enjoying dating, like I don't want to be dating multiple people. I've just never been able to do it. I just cannot. I'm like either interested in one person and if I'm talking to multiple people, I'm like there's always just one I like. Yeah. And I'm like why am I bothering with the others? You're the pick, right? Mm. And so for me, I'm always, if, if I'm talking to someone who's the pick, I will be like, they're just having sex with 100 people and I'm not the pick. I just go, even though, and it's so funny because me, I think I'm the best ever, right? I'm walking around in my life really confident with who I am, love myself, but I'm like assuming that what sex means to them and what dating means to them is the exact opposite. And that's why I think it also comes back to this piece of like often you're attracted to someone who's completely different to you and you assume Mm. a lot of different things. And also I think that dating, as someone who dates men, I have all of these all of this conditioning, I think a lot of us do, about how often men ha- want to have sex and what relationships look like and mean to men and what vulnerability and intimacy looks like and means to men. And that's something I have to unpack because I've been wrong many times. And oh my gosh, I'm the Hannah. same. I That's a realisation I had over the past few years of I definitely realised that, you know, guys only want one thing. That was, like, drilled into us yes. forever. And as it turns out, it's, like, actually not true. No, it's not. <laughs> like, it's legitimately not oh true. Gosh. Yes. Well, I was just going to say I had a conversation with a friend about this recently because then in the, like, crushing way that the patriarchy has us all in its claws, it also has a really bad effect on us as women because then I found myself, like, if I've been ghosted or rejected by a guy who I've basically said you can have me on a silver platter... You take it really personally because you're told, especially as a young woman, that, like, guys are always up for it and they only see you in a certain way and they always look at you sexually and they always want to have sex. And then it's like when someone doesn't want to do that with you, you're like, oh, my God, there's something wrong with me because apparently guys want to fuck everything that moves. So why not me? Yeah. Yeah. When, like that yes. is just so there's so much to unravel totally so and, yeah. but, but and it was actually the guy I'm seeing now like he was the one who presented it to me at the end of last year I saw him and this is what happened like he there was this interaction where you know I thought it was when we were going to have sex for the first time I thought and mm. then we didn't and he sort of shut down a bit and I was like I basically was like you just don't you don't like me and mm. I was like having this moment in front of him where I was like I'm so confused like I thought what something and you know, there was no interaction there was no like try and rejection but then I left and then later when we spoke about it he was like I just didn't want to have sex but you made it about you immediately mm. and you didn't stop to consider that something was wrong with me totally and it was like a shock moment because also I really pride myself on having the conversation and being a really open thoughtful yeah. considered person and suddenly I was presented with an alternate that this person was saying to me I something was going on with me and you presumed that my difficulty and my like vulnerability and challenge there was about you and me not being attracted to you and you just made it all about you instead of stopping for a single second to check if the other person was okay. And that's why I think so much of the consent messaging, as much as we know that men are more often the perpetrators of sexual violence Mm. and there's a lot to be had in terms of a conversation around active, enthusiastic, affirmative consent that's ongoing... In that moment, I thought that's the problem as well, is that 
are women showing up in the same way that we want men to? Because we yeah. need to be able to model what we expect. Yeah. And in that moment, it's not that there was actually an issue of consent, but I internalised and made it about me. And not yeah. that I needed it, but I was just made it about, oh, he's not attracted to mm. me. And again, we're conditioned to believe they want it all the time and that it's about how we look and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. But it, it, you step back from that sort of circumstance and you go, what is the system doing to all of us? Because you realise oh, you're perpetuating this message which kind of lumps sex in with, like, respect and emotion and how someone actually feels about you. It's like if they say no to sex, then they're saying no to to a, yes. you know, lith- litany of other things yes. that, like, actually have nothing to do with that. Yeah. We need to unlearn that for sure. Let's go, yeah. girls. Oh, my gosh. So guys. this is actually genuinely a question that I really wanted to ask you just as a person. It seems like you probably get to see both sides of the coin in terms of men and masculinity. Like you come across and you cover news stories that are pretty devastating in terms of like where we're at in gender equality, you know what I mean? Yes. In society. But then you also have amazing conversations with men, like you were saying, even on Instagram about masculinity and men being vulnerable. And I don't know, I was thinking about like in my own life, I'm doing my PhD now and it's in gender parity in the music industry and my honours was like a big depressing project about like sexual violence in music and it was very like heavy, I don't know. And even you just saying that you date men, I also like am attracted to and date men and I really feel like having a feminist lens on the world has definitely affected like how I see my relationships with men in a romantic way. And I don't know if, I just wanted to know if you felt the same. I actually raised this with someone I'm seeing yesterday before coming here because I knew this would come up and like went on in a relationship and it wasn't in like a consultative way. It was just in like a, this is hilarious. (laughs) Like, because I, it was something that it more affects my mental state for dating than it affects the other people. Mm. Because Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's about how I approach dating and how I feel about myself dating because what's hard about Cheek is that one, the following of men is smaller. So I think it's like 10% men, 90% women, which still means that's like almost 7,000 men. And mm. they're actually a really loud, wonderful group of men. Mm. So I love their presence because the big ticket for me is how to bring men into, fe- men into feminism, Yeah, right? And so that's exactly what I'm trying to do is say, this is all hard, but please come in because mm. that is so vital to this. Yes. That yeah. is so vital oh to gosh. this. And no one's welcome, doing that welcome. part, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what, shout out to Bell Hooks. Shout, shout out to change. Everyone read it. Shout yeah, out. Yeah. Um, and so for me, dating, one, it's hard because it's weird for me, like at a personal level, to have, okay, if I when do I bring cheek into the conversation with someone I'm dating? Mm. When do I tell them about it? Because it's a lot. Mm. And I don't expect someone to take to it immediately, not because I think that the content's too difficult because I think that's actually a good tester for mm. me, yeah. but because it is strange to have to give someone access to all of your views in one hit. You can go and find out anything that I think mm. and not that I expect everyone to stalk everything and look through it all, but if you wanted to, you could. Mm. And so that's a weird thing. Through a feminist lens, it's like I also have on the apps, like probably between 10 and 20 guys on apps have been like, you're Hannah from Cheek. And that's weird to start with, just Mm. to start that process with. I also have a lot of men that are really gross to me on Cheek. Mm. So there's like, and it's usually followers that have been big fans and then have turned on something I've said and become really. And suddenly. Yeah. yeah, And like violent and blah, blah, Mm. blah. So like there's like a bunch of stuff that just 
is psychologically interesting for me. Oh, you're saying it's psychologically interesting. I'm like, that's really hard. Yeah, I mean. You're the same as me. I'm like, hmm, this is really interesting that I'm going through this traumatic time. trauma. Yeah, Yeah, no, it is Mm, hard. It's fascinating to see how it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I think that at the end of the day, it makes it in a way easier because the person I'm going to be with will love what I do and and criticise it and give me really harsh feedback and be, like, pretty staunch about it sometimes but is there for it. And so in a way it's, like, the best tester because that's such a good thing for me. But, I mean, as a feminist, like, actually this is probably something I haven't spoken about. I... Exclusive Love cuts, right? Exclusive. Well, sorry, breaking. Uh, <laughs> no, I just, I sort of, I think about this privately a lot is that I really hold myself to an impossible standard. And so when I fuck up or when I ex- feel like I'm accepting behaviour that I wouldn't, I wouldn't respect in one of my friends necessarily, I really beat myself up because I feel like I'm betraying cheek mm. and betraying this public persona. Which, again, it's yeah, kind of like I often right. feel like I'm over-assuming my reach and things because it's not that big yet but it's only going to get bigger. But I often feel like I'm projecting this really staunch, feminist, independent, empowered message but I am just like a person who is like terrified and has a lot of personal issues and I'm very vulnerable and mm. susceptible to all this stuff. So I feel like in, on the one hand I'm like getting my vibrator out and being like, so here's a review of the latest womanizer. Mm. But then I also do have like a lot of um, anxiety around talking about sex and an emotional hangover after, you know, giving myself personally to a platform and to social media, not knowing what that the response might be. Mm. And then, you know, if sometimes I might dating someone and I don't feel good enough, or I don't feel secure in it. And I'm like, but you're this person. And then you're becoming this lower version of yourself in this space and like if you're a feminist why are you being treated like that or you know like it's it's a really hard self-shaming and judgment exercise where I have really struggled to be like you tell people to forgive themselves and to hold compassion for themselves in the way not going to be good feminists all the time and not everything has to be a feminist act but then when I personally don't meet my own expectations of myself, I really am so judgmental of myself for it. And it's not like you would even hold other people to that standard because I know from following Cheek that you don't expect everyone to be perfect. No. Oh, my gosh, of course. And that's a tale as old as time. We're all... The advice that we give to our friends is the advice that we find hardest to put into practice for ourselves. Exactly. So you're definitely not alone. Yeah, and and that's part of the reason that when I'm giving advice... I always try to be like, just by the way, I'm being harsh on you, but I wouldn't do the same to myself. Like I know I would do exactly what you're doing in your position, you know, a lot of the time. And that's really hard because, but again, it's all uncomfortable and it's all messy and it's all so human that that's what I like about it. Oh my gosh, but it's so weird to hear you say that. And obviously you said that you don't talk about that often, but it is really strange because like as just a straight up follower, I definitely look to you as someone who like lives their values and brings it Mm. into the different aspects of their life, which like what you were just talking about, I sometimes find hard to do, you know, academically or intellectually, I might know that I have a certain set of values or perspectives, but I don't always bring that into every part of my life. Cough, cough, dating is like a big one. Yes. And sometimes I, I don't know. I just like, I don't think you should underestimate how powerful it is for other people to see you supposedly living by those values because I genuinely think I'm like, oh, my God, you know, if Hannah can, like, bring her shameless feminist values into her life and she's thriving and doing great, then, like, it's okay. Like, so can I. 
you don't even necessarily have to live that in your personal life. It's almost like the projection of it is enough for it to impact people. But it's, it's like, weird, isn't it? It's this idea that I think we all hold it and we hold it for our parents, people we look up to, people we admire, people that we just, you know, in the public eye. Um, and I know I hold that, like, for people I look up to, is this idea that they're immune to the issues that I face and yeah. they're not. Mm-hmm. And just because someone can articulate an answer they are detached from doesn't mean they're implementing it in their own life. It doesn't mean they don't have issues. And I think that that's so often the reason that, you know, people bash celebrities for saying, like, I have problems too. Yes, they look a lot different. But often those, you know, wealth and status, and that's not what I'm saying I have, I'm just saying a general comment about these people is, like, that doesn't fix things. And I think that we think that when we accumulate um, value, like whether it be like monetary or, you know, status or in our own workplace or, or if we get married or have the baby, like that will be fixed. social capital somehow. Mm. Yeah, social yeah. capital. We think that when we build that and if we just, yeah, have the wedding or have the baby or have the guy, that will be fixed. And we think that when we hit these milestones that we'll be cured of all these insecurities and failures and this humanness that we never will. Mm. And I think that it's that it's so interesting that, like, the people I look up to and the people I watch through social media, I just think that must not happen and it does. And I know that from having, like, a small platform but being a very personal on it that I often walk away feeling like I've lied for some reason. And not that I actually have but because it's there's so much emotion and vulnerability behind that and then I walk away from my phone and I'm like, whoa, like what just happened? Was yeah. I honest? Who am I? Like, And that's a hard and thing. also I just was thinking about how even if you're someone like you who is like so open and personal and vulnerable and funny and like inviting and welcoming on the internet, right, even that can't capture the full depth and spectrum of your whole human personality because even if you think you know someone on the internet or someone comes across as being really personal, it's like you still have parts of you that you can never be conveyed because you're a human being and that can't be possible through your yes. phone. But that humanity piece that you were talking about as well, like feeling like you don't give yourself the same leeway that you would give other people when they make mistakes or say something that they might change their mind on or anything like that, which I know Cheek is like a big advocate for. Like Cheek is very about like... It's okay to like change your grow. opinion and yeah. grow. The whole point. Grow it's the yes. whole point. It of is this the whole, whole point. conversation, yeah. Yeah. and I think that that's a perfect way of summing up the fact that we are all. That's exactly what we're all here to do. Like this is just about learning and growing. Yeah. And changing our minds and challenging our deep-rooted fears and shames. And I just want to say to you that I think you're one of the people that is going to help us all do that and it's been an honour talking oh, to you. Oh, thank you so and much And that for is a Grace me. Richardson professional wrap-up. It was a, wrap up. It was a wow. very good wrap-up. I felt like it was, wow. that was a beautiful conclusion. <laughs> I was you. like, wow. wow, Grace has brought us to the pointy yeah. end. <laughs> that was beautiful. And she brought it home. God, she she's good. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Love Clues. Thank you to Hannah. That was such an insightful, inspiring and exciting conversation. Join us next week and we love you all. Bye. I feel freaking charged Great. up and ready to Thanks. rock. Oh my I could God, actually Hannah. kick the door off and oh, you're right so now. Love Clues.